It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Glad you are joining us once again. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hey, good morning, Fred. It's the start of an early weekend for us. And from the latest edition of the Smart Driving Cars newsletter, a TechCrunch headline, Waymo doubles robo-taxi service in Phoenix in a bid to grow driverless trips tenfold. Yeah, well, I guess th that is that is really good news, and it's good news that uh, that that I think that what they they must be trying to do is is do a, a, a proof of market aspect of this of the deployment of this technology. To me, they've completed the the, the proof of technology, the, the the proof of safety on this. Um, They've been very methodical for since uh, 2009 uh, in, in achieving safety. Um, they've done it on public roads, uh, tried to uncover all the surprises that Mother Nature may have in store for them as they try to provide um, make a, a computing system do what we do when we drive, which is, or at least attempt to do what we do when we drive, which is get someplace and not crash. And they've done a fantastic job on the safety piece. Now, you know, what the metrics are and so on is that basically uh, they've achieved in, in an operational design domain that they have strict control over, strict control as to the extent, they don't have the control as to the activities that are there, but that includes public roads, where people come from and want to go to, and have demonstrated uh, initially with an attendant on board that they could do it without disengagements, which means that the attendant had to jump in didn't have to jump in and save the day and didn't cheat and did it. I guess we have to read so well because the, the reality of what they done for that said when they came to the table to make a decision that had all of their internal people in there that who's was really uh, careers depended on it. And they were, in a sense, betting the ranch. They were all in, said, yes, we can pull the attendant. And this thing, all our indication is safe and it's going to work. And it doesn't mean that it's never going to crash or it there's never going to be an incident or whatever like that. But the re risk reward trade-off that we as humans, individuals, live entities make in every decision that we make during the day, whether it's to pick up this cup and have a sip of coffee to I'm going to Mars, make the, make the risk reward trade-off. There are no guarantees, except death and taxes, as, as it is said. 
Okay. Everything's a risk. The question is, what's the reward? And, and how do those two things balance out? And they, they must have, because of, we know what their decision process was. So they must have come together at that table and said, look, we've rolled up our sleeves. We've done the hard work. We've been honest with each other. We haven't cheated. We think this is good enough to go out there and do good so that the reward was greater than the risk. Maybe substantially, you know, whatever. I mean, it really only has to be just a little bit. And you'd hate to be like this, but you might even do it if it's like that. But because each each is an expectation of probability that something might or might not happen in the future. And thank goodness we can't really look into the future because then everything would be trivial and everything would be boring and you know I mean nobody would want to live a life. So they went around the table and they said, yeah, and why did they do that? Not because they want hey, Kornhauser to say, look at how they were able to do a driverlessly, or Fred would say, oh, look at how great they are. They can do it driverlessly. No. It's because if you can do it driverlessly, you open up the door to affordability. Because if you look at all the efforts that everybody has made for the millennia and whatever to try to provide mobility for people, it is non-inexpensive because you've had, you had to, you should pay for the entity that goes out and does it for you. And you should pay that entity an appropriate wage. And not only for doing it for you, but for waiting around for you until you want to do it. Right. So one of the one of the companies we were going to be talking about today was Lyft, and uh, that's in the newsletter as well. Their shares have dropped like fourteen percent the last month, twenty four percent this year. Investors reacting to a not so great outlook. Yeah, I mean Lyft is is a great company. I use them as much as I can to go to the airport because somebody else pays for that. I don't pay for that most of the time because I, I really don't go anywhere unless, you know, I mean, I like being home. I like being here, <laughs> you know, so to attract me to go somewhere, you know, I probably at least need to have my trip paid for. Somebody else is paying for it. So, you know, affordability to me is not all that important. And they give a great service until I want to go from South Padre Island to Brownsville Airport. And I, you know, and I order up a ride a day in advance. And they say, that, yeah, sure, you know, we'll be there. And they weren't, but detailed, fine. It's not perfect service. Darn good. I use them all the time in Uber. Okay. Wonderful. But as you've said before, the driver. The driver and and I, you know, and I tip the driver. I tip the driver well. And I have to admit, unfortunately, even that doesn't come out of my, you know, that gets written off someplace. I'm embarrassed by the fact that it's written off. I should, I should, but darn it, the people that 
want me to come to wherever it is that I'm going or something like that, probably, you know, they should pay, whatever. We don't want to get into that one because it might not look so good. <laughs> but their affordability is, is not the issue for those trips. Now, Lyft is also used by some people like me that was attempting to use it to go from South Padre Island to Brownsville Airport. I was stuck. I couldn't walk it. I was, whatever, I was stuck. Now again, being stuck and having somebody backing you financially to make it happen, it's not really being stuck. But if, if you're stuck and, and and it's gonna come out of your pocket, then affordability is really important. And now it depends on how badly do I have to go? And if it's mission critical, then I don't know, I'll work overtime. I'll get a second job, I'll rob a bank. I don't know, I'll come up with the money because it's mission critical. So their affordability is, so if it was a lot cheaper, I wouldn't have to rob as many banks. And that's what, that's the market opportunity that has opened up to Waymo because they can do it without a driver, at least in some places. So to me, what they should be looking for, and maybe it's doubling the size of their operational design domain in Phoenix, all of a sudden puts into their total addressable market people to whom affordability makes a difference. Right. And that you would want. be great, but, but right. I want to stay on this. I'm sorry to... I might ask, well, why wasn't that part of your original market? But fine. If it is, great. Because and then we're also you seeing prove. GM Cruz make a move here as well, expanding into Dallas and, and Houston and, and Texas. And we're not sure what areas, I suppose, but uh, Yeah, and and you know, but if it's if they're expanding into, you know, the places that look like Phoenix, like 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 um, Chandler, which is a very nice community. Lots of people on cars. But I think there, if you want to do a proof of market, trying to compete with a car, the, the interesting thing about transportation is in a trip, you decide to take the trip using a means to take the trip that has put that on top of your brain as the thing that you want to do next. Number one. Otherwise, you'd be doing something else, going somewhere else, or just staying at home. That means that the mode that you take to take that trip, because you sat there and you've evaluated, is the best way to, for you to go. 
not the fifth best, not the third best, not even the second best. It's best. So if, if Waymo or any of these companies want to do a proof of market, they have to find a market where the entities that want to travel in that market that they can serve in that operational design domain are likely to choose them as number one from their perspective, not from your perspective, not from my perspective, but from their perspective. If they're sitting there with who knows how many cars in the driveway, do you know how, do you know how tough it's going to be? And if affordability really doesn't matter, do you know how tough it's going to be for you to be number one? You think you're just by being as safe or safer, you're going to convince them? They don't think they're unsafe using their... Probability is 10 to the minus whatever. As you've said before, people are willing to try it, but it's for a selfie or whatever, and then that's yeah. that. So how do you pop to the top? Ooh, you'll get to take a selfie. Ooh, that has, you know, to me, that there was infinite value to me to go to Boca Chica and have my butt appear in the New York Times at the launch. Okay, I didn't know that was going to happen. I didn't plan for that to happen. Do you know how much... How, how, how much value I got out of that? Holy, if I had expectation, there would have been no doubt that I would go, even though I, you know, it was close. Now, a second time, who cares? So, yeah, it'll be one, but it'll be one and done. And the last thing you want, if you're doing a business, is to get customers that are one and done. Because it's cost you money to acquire that customer. And if they're one and done, you have to now spend money to get the next one, to replace that one. You need, you need another one to replace that one and another one to be able to grow. Because all this is supposed to be scale. Boom. So in a sense, you don't want to acquire one and doneer. You want to acquire someone who... Geez, you've improved their lives from their perspective. They're kissing your feet and they want to use you more and more. So if you really want to, you know, if you're struggling to do a proof of market, which these companies are, then boy, my goodness, instead of just doing it at a place where it might be easy technologically, you better look at places where it might be easy from a decision market competition point of view, where you're likely to be number one against whatever it is that they have as their opportunity. The elevator, enormous, enormously successful, where in tall buildings, why? Because it's almost trivial them to be number one when the competition are the stairs. Everybody takes it. Okay. So they basically have to go look for a, a place to operate 
where they're where the competition is likely to be stairs. It's not that they're not really great. They are, but they're not as good as Uber Lyft. They're not as good as a limousine driver. They're not as good as a chauffeur. They're not even as good as, as me giving you a ride. Okay? They're just not. Not yet. Maybe in some future when these things are da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But, you know, we're just still getting started. So the question is, is what is the right market for them to really do a proof of market? at least against stairs, as opposed to against, you know, rich guy with a, with, with a limit, with, with, with a chauffeur. And hey, if expanding the, this area of the operational design domain in Phoenix is, does that for them, great. I sure hope it goes across the place where there's a, an Indian reservation. Likely there, there are some people that whose opportunities for mobility basically are stairs, maybe. If they do that, they're likely to they're likely to provide real value to that community. Okay. If they don't, oh my goodness, we have visitors. Oh, <laughs> hold on. Anyway. We've been interrupted by the neighbor's dogs. <laughs> this, is a, this is a great they're, neighborhood. They're, they're we're, welcome, we're, welcome we're, to we're, join in. Uh, I'm on a podcast here. You, you've ruined my podcast. Oh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Fred, Fred, I mean, this is the neighbors. I mean, look at that. Oh, I mean, look, we brought our pet possum. Oh, and, and oh, no, breastfeeding this. She is. <laughs> ah. it's not me. I have many talents. Thank you very much. Wow. We miss you, Fred. Oh, yeah. Our podcast, Fred. Look at that. She's a cutie. We thought we'd give her a shot. Oh, my God, you're too funny. All right, back to work. Luckily, we're not live, and we can edit this. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I'd rather leave it in. but that's... Maybe we'll leave it in. <laughs> Well, Johnny Carson used to bring on the guy with the animals all the time, right? So. Yeah, so we'll leave it in there. What the heck? Where were we? No, well, but, but, but I guess that's a long harangue on. Now's the time we've, we've, we've proved technologically that this can work. Now we have to prove that we, we have to do a proof of market that in fact, some people, sufficient number of people will then select this as the way to go and dish out the right amount of money such that these entities can make a profit, okay? To me, that's, otherwise, what are we doing? Something else that the government has to support and understand, and it has the opportunity to do it. Why? Because the level of service is really darn good. The flexibility you get out of this is really darn good. The opportunity to be able to, to be demand responsive and do and, and provide mobility that the person wants, rather provide mobility and then try to get the people to do that, which is what you know normal transit companies do, you know, is really there. And maybe they can do it, you know, in you know, the nice suburbs where people have cars, maybe. 
But it seems to me that that's probably the last customers you're going to get. Why not go to the first customers? Why not go to from where they are to where they want to go? And of course, you know, all I'm doing is preaching, you know, where, we, where we're coming from. We think that there are 100 plus cities in the United States where a move cell operation could be really valuable to those who, who basically have stairs as the competition. And these, these folks could be heroes. And if they can do that, as the me measure that we've sort of come up with, at a productivity level of 100 person trips per day per vehicle, oh my goodness, if you look at the mobility that they would be providing, they can provide that at small single dollars per ride. And they can charge an extra buck easily on top of that and make a buck per ride. And like McDonald's, they used to put up signs saying how many, they were a volume business, how many billions, billions, gazillion burgers that they've sold. They can put up the sign saying millions, billions, gazillions, person trips that they've served and be and, and have alphabet. Be proud of them. Come talk to us, okay? Because I'm not sure that the operational design domain, which I know none of the details of, of just an expansion in Phoenix, is going to allow you to address that market and do that well. And I think you maybe end up spinning your wheels. Maybe not, you know more than I know. Dallas, Houston, maybe. I mean, there is a there's a demonstration in Arlington that if you look at the at the at the numbers from that demonstration, doesn't give you much hope. Even if you could pull the the driver, but. And are looking at the places in New Jersey, in Florida, in Ohio, in New York, in Indiana, in Arkansas. I don't know. There are places, but you have to target it. And, and then if you show, if you do that and with those victories, then you get a chance to stay alive a little bit longer to continue to improve so that you can then maybe convince the people that have who knows how many cars in their garage that, yeah, you're the best way for me to go. I'll use you. Here, I'll pay you. Gladly. That's what a proof to market does. <laughs> and we've been we've been talking this for, for we've been a long talking time now. This. I don't know. People turned me off, you know, two hours ago now. I'm sorry, but hey, that's what that's where we're coming from. Other people could be coming from somewhere else. Hey, look, you'll get to take a selfie. 
Moving on in the newsletter, Alan, uh, at Neuro, which has been in the autonomous delivery business, the Verge reports there are more layoffs planned, they're pausing commercial operations, pivoting to, quote, research and development. Again, you know, they've done the proof of technology. They need to do the proof of market. And if you're going to deliver groceries, Who, who, who's likely to have the best opportunity to get their groceries be stairs so they could be as virtuous as elevators are in tall buildings? Not only virtuous elevators, not only virtuous. Without them, there wouldn't be tall buildings. So what supermarket exists in this world that wouldn't be there if it were not for neuro. That's the market they need to find. That's the market that they wish they should go after. And if they're going after delivering groceries in rich, elegant suburbs that can even have the chauffeur go pick up the groceries, I don't know. And I don't know that that's necessarily where they're operating. But what they should be doing is looking, if they're really trying to do a proof of market, which they desperately need, because again, if, if somebody isn't paying them for that service, it costs them money to, to put that out there, even if it doesn't have a driver. And so, you know, this is, this is, this is Lemonade Stand 101. This is an advanced stuff. Along those lines, Alan, had too simple in the words of tech crunches and shambles. They've gotten a delisting warning now. I, I don't know. I mean, unfortunately, at some point back a, a couple of years or whatever, you know, too simple had a demonstration of driverless operation on a on a freeway and showing that they could do it driverlessly, you know, under normal circumstances on a freeway. And I don't know, I guess it seemed to me that much of it was, was smoke and mirrors and I got turned off and you know, I've not, I, I, no comment. Consumer Reports Senior Transportation and Energy Policy Analyst, Chris Harto, as a posting with the headline, can the grid handle EVs? Yes. I had a chance to interview Chris for my text to nation report, show a little clip here. You know, the infrastructure is being being built out and it'll, you know, as more EVs hit the road, more, more infrastructure will get built. You know, th these EPA standards really kind of help set a direction for the market and give, give the market kind of the certainty it needs to know, you know, how many EVs are likely to be on the road at what point in the future so that, you know, private companies can invest their capital to meet that demand. Uh, on, on the grid side of things, um, yeah, EVs aren't 100% zero emissions, but they're so much more efficient than gasoline vehicles that even when they're powered by fossil fuel electricity, uh, they're still cleaner. And the grid continues to get cleaner and cleaner as we add more and more uh, renewable energy generation to the grid. 
Alan, you had some thoughts about uh, this. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 a nice piece in there. I, I, there there may be one little technical piece in which he doesn't quite have the numbers right, and I, I he may okay because because one of the things that so struck me about the uh, Lawrence Livermore energy charts, which everybody knows that I love. Why? Because you look at the flow of energy from the production to the consumption. And about five or so years ago, they changed those to also include the losses. Because as you go from production to consumption, there are losses. I mean, you know, <laughs> That's the one, one thing about energy, you know, <laughs> you know, otherwise you'd have perpetual motion machines and everything would be great. And if Henry and, and, and Fred, if we if we can invent one, you know, who will be rich? <laughs> there are losses. And so the kilowatt hours produced by the producers of electricity. I think are kilowatt hours at the plant. I don't know. He does, he doesn't go into detail, and I didn't have a chance to look it up. And the kilowatt hours required to move a Tesla or to move a whatever as tested are the kilowatt hours in the vehicle when it's moving. But to get the kilowatt hours from the plant to the vehicle involves losses, I think. So it's not, it may not be quite as good as he suggests there. Now, the losses are not really, you know, more than 50% or around 50% or whatever. So it's not more than twice the amount of, of generation equipment. If that's the only place where the numbers don't quite you know, match up. And even there, you know, twice is doable. I agree. And I think what's the, the, the good thing about what he points out or what's implied in there, that if you can get the electricity to the, to the car, it's pretty darn efficient in moving it. The whole question is, is where in the heck does this stuff come from? And if, yeah, we can get things to turn and think this is and whatever, and waves to go up and down and geothermals to whatever and water to, to fall and burn some stuff or some nuclear and create it and get it distributed to the, to the place where it's being consumed, which is, you know, in the middle of the road. So it has to hang on something, which is what the battery is. The losses in the battery and all that stuff has to be whatever. I guess, you know, on your, in gasoline, some of the gasoline does evaporate, I guess. So, you know, you don't get, get full use of the battery. But all these things, those end up being maybe details on this thing. But sure, we, we, we have a full interview at Text Nation, but we're, we'd like to invite Chris to, to come on. And yeah, yeah, we'd like to come well. on. And, and, and so, yeah, and, and I'm not, this can be 
critical of it. It's just, you know, just this is a tough thing to be able to to figure out. Or, but I I really like what he put out there, and so except for that little one caveat, fantastic. And that caveat may not make very much of a difference anyway. Alan Elon Musk is in the news. He's let it be known first off that he's found a new CEO for Twitter. Reportedly, Linda Yaccarino from NBC Universal, and uh, there are quite a few fans of Tesla and his other companies that are thinking, "Phew." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess you know uh, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's a concept guy. He he doesn't do it, but he certainly sets the. The scope and and he has i would hope enough lieutenants and does have enough lieutenants to make it happen make things happen uh and yeah this is going to give yeah great Twitter another, need, needed need i'm i'm a fan i'm a fan another of his companies uh the the boring company they're expanding the las vegas loop tunnel venture plans now calling for 69 stations and a and a total of 65 miles in the newsletter, you highlight a piece that wasn't all that flattering about it, but. Yeah, but, you know, I, I sat with the, uh, Elizabeth and I sat with, uh, with the head of uh, the boring company at, um, in Las Vegas uh, during CES. And, and we, we discussed um, the expansion and, and he, um, he explained it to us, and and I just think it's great, especially being a personal rapid transit guy since 1971. You know, struggling to uh, provide uh, mo uh, high quality mobility um, for people uh, throughout cities, and and of course, uh, you know, the, 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 if if you can do the infrastructure, you can do it safely, easily rather than than the revelation that we had with uh, with DARPA was oh my goodness uh, we can if we put the intelligence in a vehicle we don't need to do infrastructure why and 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 and, and, and what's great about that is that the uh, is that the the money that you have to not only the money that you have to spend to do the infrastructure but the town meetings to do the infrastructure is just it's debilitating it's it's long and hard and slogging spent you know 40 years trying to do that um and you know we were thinking of putting the infrastructure in the air as opposed to underground why because something's I mean, expensive but apparently in the appropriate operational design domain location it may not be infinitely expensive and apparently the boring company has ways to do this, to do it underground. And all of a sudden now, if you can create a network underground where these things are going to move underground as opposed to by people's bedroom windows, oh my goodness, you have the opportunity to do safe, high quality mobility in that operational design domain. And, you know, the, driverlessly absolutely because there are no children playing in the tunnels mother nature has you know can't do can't throw as many curveballs okay and she has limited pitch selection 
and you can handle those. And I think it's great. And to provide mobility to, to Las Vegas desperately needs it. Because it has, you know, in some sections of Las Vegas, some people, you know, about the best way they have to get around are stairs. So you have the opportunity to provide them with mobility. I, I think it's fantastic. Uh, kudos. Do it. And you're not disrupting what's, what's on the surface. And if nobody shows up and it, uh, the proof of market dies, well, you know, at least you tried. So I, it, I'm, all, I'm all in favor of that one irrespective of what that or you know i mean you can't believe how many articles i chose not to comment on uh, it, this and past issues i mean you know they anyway yes i'm coming at this from my perspective for what i think is good for society and good for technology and good for the economy and good for business that's what i think Another advisory, Alan, that the Princeton Smart Driving Car Summit has been uh, postponed. We had hoped to be there this month, but I guess we tell everybody, stay tuned. Stay tuned. And, uh, you know, it's given me the opportunity to go to Israel uh, for the EcoMotion Conference, which was set up right on top of, 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 of uh, the summit. And, and that, that um, does look like an interesting conference. Yeah, it, it, great. Hey, interesting enough for me to you know my intention is to hop on an airplane and go and um and um you know um, hey every once in a while you you know you got to pivot and you can't do number one you do number two because number one became impossible to do so you do number two stay tuned as as we said in the the conference in in israel there's a, there's a lot going on over there you've got a some great great uh innovations taking place yeah, right and 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 in tel aviv they've been you know they've been trying to make um make a driverless work there and all that stuff so it'll be good to go it'll be good for me to you know get out of the princeton bubble well you can find us at smartdrivingcar.com also on spotify tune in apple google spreaker wherever you turn to for podcasts amazon you can get your smart speaker to play us too. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching. Have a great weekend and stay safe. Yep. Have a great weekend. Spring is here, I guess, finally. <laughs>